Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Um, we're still, <laughs> I think we have one more after this one, I think. One more message on the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and so, and what I've done is I've skipped, this is actually uh, towards the, this is the very end, and Jesus is closing up on the Sermon on the Mount in seven, Matthew seven twenty four through 29, and that's what we're going to do today. Uh, but we're actually, we, I've jumped ahead uh, only to go back to a, a couple of verses before this to finish up on the next time I preach, which will be sometime next month. Um, so, yeah, so not that Jesus' uh, process wasn't perfect. <laughs> it's just that I wanted to end on what he did before this, so I jumped ahead. But what Jesus did was great. It was fine. Um, not trying to change up the, the sermon. But two foundations is what it says in my Bible. It may set your, your head and maybe something different. Um, the title of this message is Doing What You Hear, Building on the Firm Foundation. So we're going, coming from Matthew 7, 24 to, through 29, and it reads, uh, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the, sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. And so it was that when Jesus had ended these sayings, that the people were astonished by at his teachings, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So we're looking at doing what you hear, building on a firm foundation. Um, so the similarities between these two builders, I think we have any carpenters in the house, raise your hand. Ed is a carpenter, right? He's our only one. He don't want he don't want people to know because then you may ask him to do something. So he tries to keep it low key. <laughs> I understand, uh, but uh, so we have these the similarities between these two builders. These builders were uh, building the house. They both heard Christ's word. This is good. This is this is good stuff even right now. That they both heard the word of God. They weren't like one was hearing bad word and the other was hearing good word. They both heard good word. They heard the word of God. It was come from Christ. Uh, Romans ten seventeen says, so then faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. And both these builders heard the same word. Both builders were building the house. First uh, Corinthians three ten says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it, for no other foundation can be can anyone lay than which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is that foundation. We shouldn't be laying our, our building on anything uh, else but Jesus Christ. Um, and and building a house can mean several different things. It could be correlated to your building your your life. Uh, building your family, it could be building your spiritual house as a, as a church body. We are building up the church. Um, but yeah, building your house could be mean and correlate, could be correlated to mean various things. Um, individually and corporately, we're building. 
And in building this house, the similarities are they both heard the word. They were both building the house. And both houses were tested. Right? They didn't say one was testing, the other got scot free, but they both had the wind, the rain, and the storm, flood waters come in. First uh, Peter 1 7 says, In this you are greatly rejoiced, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that your genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So our faith will be tested. I don't understand why we get upset when it is tested, but the Bible says your faith will be tested. Uh, so those were the similarities. They both heard the word, they both were builders, and both houses were tested. The differences between these two builders in their houses, one put... Jesus' word into practice, the other did not. So they both heard good word, but one put it into practice, and the other didn't. First uh, John 2, 3-4 says, Now by this we know that we know him. And how do we know that we know him? If we keep his commandments. Who who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. <laughs> But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. That's good. So we know that we know him by keeping his commandments. And so we're going to do what the Lord says. We're going to put into practice what he says. So we're just not going to be hearers of the word, but we're going to do us of the word. So... It wasn't a knowledge problem that the other builder had. He had the same knowledge. He had God's word. And it's not a knowledge problem that we have. We get plenty of word. You can, hear, you can come to church. You can get word online. You can listen to good radio. You hear good word. Um, the Bible is where we start for the information. And the Bible is where we start to implement action on the information. We will listen to God's word and still do our own plan is the problem. We can amen a good word and leave here and do our own thing. Acting on God's word is not our concern, but listening to God's word is. Seemingly, we listen to podcasts and radio stations all the time. We listen to God's word. But it is not um, listen to Jesus' word and still build your own house on the stand, uh, on the sand. It's called church going fools. <laughs> This is talking about the church. This is not talking about people in the world. This is people who were listening to God's word. They were building their house, and they chose to do their own plan. They were sitting in church, sitting, listening to Jesus at Jesus' feet, and when they left, they said, well, I'm going to do what I want to do. Motion sensor lights. Lights only, so I have some motion sensor lights in the back of my house, and they scare me sometimes because they come on when no one shouldn't be back there. And I'm like, oh, he's back there. So all kinds of animal and deer are probably running back there, bear included, uh, that are cutting on those motion sensor lights. But the key to motion sensor lights is that you have to have movement for them to come on, right? There has to be some action for the motion sensor light to come on. Now, if there's no action, that, that light is still powered. And it's not going to come on until you act. 
And so that word is still good, but it's not going to activate until you act. It's not going to come on until you act. Um, Moses was told to hold out the rod and then the Red Sea were parted. Uh, Joshua was told to tell the priest to put their feet in the Jordan. Then the water would be blocked. Naaman was told to go dip yourself in the Jordan seven times. Then you will be healed. Martha and Mary was told to roll the stone away. Then Lazarus was raised from the dead. Jesus said to the ten lepers, go and show yourself to the priests. Then they were cleansed. Sometimes you got to do some stuff. You got to act. He's looking for you to do some stuff. Just like that motion sensor light. It, it's there. It's powered. It's ready to go. But you got to go. You got to move. You just can't stand still and say, well, we're sitting in the dark. We're going to sit here. But it requires you to move. It requires you to have some action. And how many of you are sitting in the dark with motion sensor lights on because you're not doing what the Lord told you to do? You're not acting on the word of God. And we're living our lives as if we can live it any kind of way we want because broad is that gate, right? <laughs> broad is that gate that says you can do whatever you want. Everyone will accept it. You have no problem. You do whatever you want and you'll be good to go. And that seems so easy and there's no resistance to that. And we go that route so many times. This is the church we're talking about, not the world. It's the church we're talking about. <laughs> Help us, Lord. If my people, which are called by my name, and he's requiring us to do something. This is Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name. These are his people. Called by his name. And what do they have to do? Shall humble themselves and pray and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways. Then. Right? You got to do all that stuff. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and then I will heal their land. God is looking for you to act. It can't be lip service. We don't uh, talk by faith. <laughs> we walk by faith and not by sake. Sight. Not by talk by faith and, and walk by whatever it is. It's requ- requires us to act. We must walk it out. Walking by faith and not talking by faith. Uh, we can hear the word and say amen to the word and still do do not do what the word therefore requires us to do. And then when that happens, we lack power in our lives. We have this, this motion sensor light sitting there with power and we, we complain now that we lack this power in our lives. Mark 7, 9 through 13. This is the New Living Translation, I think, that I have. It says, then he said, this is good, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold your own traditions. You skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold your own traditions. For instance, Moses gave you this law from God. Honor your father and mother. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of their father and mother must be put to death. But you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you. For I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. Now, this is good. In verse 12, it says, in this way, you let them disregard their needy parents. And so you have canceled the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is the only 
one, this is only one example among many others. This is good, y'all. He said, my word says honor your mother and father. And your excuse is, well, what I have, I'm giving to God. And you would say, you, we would cloud that up to say, well, that's a good thing. It's okay. Go ahead on. Don't worry about your mom and dad. And, and in the word, he says, you have skillfully sidestepped God's law. And then it says, you have made the law of none effect in some, in some versions of the Bible. We have neutralized his word because we have mingled in our traditions with it and said, you know, it's okay. It's like an apple. An apple in itself has many nutrients, right? But when you dip that apple in candy, <laughs> it kind of cancels out all of the nutrition value that you have in that apple now, right? Because you got to get through all that sugar to get through to the apple, and so now the apple's no good. And that's what we do with God's word. We have the word, we hear good word, but then we neutralize it because we put our own opinion on it. We put our own kind of spin on it. We hear the word and we say, ah, you know what? I don't really have to do that because this is for God or this is okay or my church says it this way or uh, and so and we do so many things. It says so many things. Uh, and I can give many examples, politics, finances, uh, you name it. We intermingle the word. We intermingle. We don't stand on the word. We say, oh, well, this is a little bit of word and a little bit of my opinion. And we're going to wrap it together and say, hey, this is what God says. And God is like, no more. No. You've made my word of non-effect. It is you skillfully sidestep God's law to hold on to your traditions. And that can go for for a host of things in our lives that we've held on to because my grandmother said we did it this way and we go to this church and this is what you're supposed to do. And those traditions have nullified the word of God in our lives. And we call ourselves moving forward with the car in neutral. Right? You can't go forward with the car in neutral, right? You're going to go the way the road goes if you're in neutral. You're going to go where everyone else is going when you neutralize that. But we'll call ourselves going forward. We're going forward, but we're in neutral. We're just rolling around. One, one wise man, the other was a foolish man. Proverbs 8, 35, 36 says, For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who, who sins against me wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me love death. So only a foolish man would choose uh, to go against the word of God. But we do it all the time. We would not have counted ourselves foolish, right? How many of us would say, well, I'm foolish? We do it on a daily basis. We do it several times a day. When the Lord may tell us to do something and we don't do what he's told us to do. And we would call ourselves very intelligent. But it wasn't a knowledge problem. They knew, they knew the word. They had the knowledge. They chose to do differently. One built his house on the rock. The other built his house in the sand. First uh, Corinthians 3.11 says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are, God, you are God's field. You are God's building, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder. Is that you, Ed? You're a wise master. <laughs> Ed said, no, that's not me. Uh, I have laid the foundation. Another builds on it for let each one take heed how he builds. For the other foundation can't anyone lay 
than what's laid in Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. And this is the good thing because both those houses had to be tested. And they both look the same, right? Without the test that you build in your house. I heard the same word. I came from the same church. I heard this good word. We're building our house. And they both look the same. And from our from the outward side looking, oh, he's doing good. You know, he's following the word of God. He built his house. You built your house. But the truth of the matter is that when the test comes, when the storm comes, the storm will come, y'all. Second <laughs> uh, Corinthians, uh, Proverbs ten twenty five says, "When the whirlwind passes by, the wicked is no more, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation." When the whirlwind passes by, the wicked is no more, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. Second Corinthians four eight and nine says, "But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency or excellence of the power of God is not for us." We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. That just says you're going to go through some things. You're going to have some hard times. The storm, wind, and the rain are going to come. It came on both foundations. It didn't matter how you built it. It's going to come. And that's when the test, that's when we'll see who's standing. They look the same until the storm. The storm revealed the foundation. That's when you begin to see cracks. Uh, Mark 4.35, this is the middle of the storm, and Jesus was asleep in the middle of the storm. And, and he had proclaimed on the, before they left that we we're going to go to the other side. And he might have known that it was going to be a bad storm. And you can turn that. You can turn that. I'm not going to read it. But Mark 4.35 is where this is. And it picks up on the story. It says that Jesus was actually, uh, he, one theologian has said when Jesus got a cushion and laid down. So he purposed. It wasn't like he just nodded off. You know how sometimes you're on the couch and you just kind of doze off and like wake up. That wasn't it. Jesus laid down. He went to go to sleep. He got a pillow. He said, I got a cushion. I'm going to lay down in the midst of this storm. And so they became very afraid. And these were, many of them were fishermen. These are the disciples of Jesus, and many of them were fishermen. And you would think that they had seen many storms in their lifetime, right? This had to be really bad if they got scared. And they themselves, <laughs> hey, let me wake up Jesus because, hey, we might not make it to the other side, even though he proclaimed that we were going to get to the other side in the beginning. And they wanted him to fix things right now in the middle of this storm. And he did in this situation. But it is difficult to fix cracks, or to learn that your foundation is bad in the middle of a storm. You know, so either you're going to fix your uh, foundation ahead of time and make sure it's on the word of God. Or when that storm comes and you see that your foundation wasn't sure, he will give you an opportunity to fix it then. <laughs> but you, there will be some consequences to you not having that firm foundation from the beginning. So my question today is, what keeps us from putting God's word into practice? 
So you may have an answer for that personally. You may say, what keeps me from putting God's word into practice? Why do? Why is it that when I hear God's word, and it may be good words, or I read God's word for my life, and I choose to do something different than what it says. I choose to believe differently from what it declares that I should believe. I choose to act differently from what it says that I should act. And so I'm going to present to you three things that James 1, 21 and 27 says uh, that I think makes us, unfortunately, not hear, uh, not do God's word. And then, um, and I think there may be included a whole bunch of stuff in that. So, uh, but these are the three things that James 1, 21, 27 says. It says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness in the overflow of wickedness. <laughs> is the abundance of overflow of, of wickedness and receive with meekness. And so the three things I, I, I think we, we have to put aside is filthiness, wickedness, and they say receive with meekness. And so the opposite of that would be pride. So lay aside filthiness, lay aside wickedness, and pride. Filthiness, the overflow of wickedness, and pride. Those are the three things we need to get rid of. And I'm going to go back and read the rest of that, that, those, that passage. Um, it says, lay aside those things, the meekness of implanted word, uh, receive with, the, with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Implanted word is, means inborn, innate, ingrown, natural, rooted, implanted. Uh, some, some versions may say engrafted. It means you're taking Jesus and putting it in your, your life. With meekness, and that has implications that it's actually going to grow. So when you implant, when you engraft skin, your skin graft, that means it's going to become a part of your body and grow. It just doesn't stay in this little area. It grows out. And so this implantation is, hey, we're putting this in so you establish itself in your, in your system. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. You're deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. That he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This is one this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you and this is verse twenty six says, and if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, this is good stuff right here. I'm not getting into that though. But it sees his own heart. This one's religious is, religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Brighter your tongue. Hey, that's what's going to set us apart. My wife got on me yesterday. I have this tendency. Um, so um, I, still, I have this tendency sometimes to start sentences out, well, what you should do. Um, which is never good. <laughs> what you should do, or what I think you should do, and she says, she tells me very nicely, of course, last night when we were eating dinner. And it was about something simple because I like tomatoes. Uh, something going on. I like tomatoes, and we had a taco salad. And I put a lot of tomatoes in my salad. And so when I saw her salad, I said, hmm, what you should do is put more tomatoes in your salad. <laughs> and she says, how are you going to tell me? I should put more tomatoes in my salad. And she said, first of all, 
I have just enough tomatoes that is fine with me, but you should watch every sentence that starts with what you should do because that means you need to stop that and don't tell people what they should do. How do you know best? And I was like, well, you might be right about that. Might be right. <laughs> so, yeah, if you ever start your sentence out with what you should do, rethink that sentence. <laughs> uh, well, and then I say, well, I strongly suggest. This is not any better. <laughs> it's even worse, right? <laughs> what you should do. Um, yes, yeah, so we're, we're going to brighter our tongue. Well, that's a, that's a message for another time. We're not getting into that. But the three things is uh, filthiness, wickedness, and pride. So when we look at these words in the Greek, it says the filthiness is a moral filth. And this was good to me. This was, this, this, this was good stuff. It says moral filth. In some versions, it was said put off off moral filth. And you say, what is moral filth? You know, and so moral filth, the Greek word was ruparia. I think it's filth. It's pollution. Moral filth souls or desecrates the soul. It's our thinking, leaning to, to our own understanding. That's moral filth. Because we're so self-righteous, we think that we know best. You know, we, and, you know it becomes apparent when you're a teenager. When you're a parent and you have teenagers, you say, oh, they, they think they know everything. I don't think we grow out of that. You know, we, think, we, we tend to think that we do grow out of that. But I think that we think we know best about our lives, even towards God. And we may say that as a parent, I know better for my kid. I, I've, I've experienced this life. But God is looking at us as his children and saying, you're doing the same thing to me. You think you know best. And so you lean to your own understanding and you do your own thing when you want to do it. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> and we pollute our thinking and we become self-righteous and we say, I know best for my life and this is what I'm going to do. This is the decision I'm going to make. And it has polluted our thinking. And then it becomes so easy because everyone does it, right? It's that broad gate. Everyone's doing the same thing. We are more concerned about what people think than about the word of God. And we seek out people's opinions, whether it be on the radio or, or wherever, and not looking at the word of God. What does the word say about my situation? What does the word say about this? What does the word say about this? Where can I find in the word where it says this? And if we did that, we don't have to worry about or get our opinions from some news source or get our opinions from the world or get our opinion from the culture. It is the word that I, I seek my opinion on, not the world. But our thinking has become so polluted. It's moral filth. We think we're so right all the time. And we look at other people and think, hey, well, they're right, too, because they think the same thing. Well, they're morally filthy as well. And so you're just sharing more moral filth among one another. Moral filth. Put that off. We've got to take that off. And the overflow of wickedness or the abundance of wickedness, uh, the Greek word there is uh, purisia. It's the superfluity, abundance that sees normal expectation of wickedness. We have exceeded the normal expectation of wickedness. That's crazy, right? <laughs> uh, wickedness, evil, trouble, malice. Underlying principle is that we are inherently evil present in our bodies. It is just there. 
When you're born, you got some evil in you. You have a sin nature. And even if it is not outwardly expressed all the time, it is there. And so sometimes we fool ourselves because it's not outwardly expressed. But it's there. You have a sin nature. And that can uh, come in the form of fear, disobedience, anxiety, and just a whole plethora of things that may come under that sin nature that could go towards this is why I don't do what the word tells me to do. Because of my own stinking thinking and then because of fear and then my own disobedience and then I have anxiety and then whatever else you want to put up under there. Yes, I don't do what the Lord tells me to do. And then the opposite of meekness is pride. There's a lot of that. Proverbs 11:2 says when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 16 and 18 says pride comes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. And then in 1 Samuel 15, 23, this is what Samuel thought. He was doing what was right in his own filthy thinking mind. <laughs> but Samuel said, for rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. So your disobedience is like witchcraft and your pride is like idolatry or iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of God, he has also rejected you from being king. Your pride, your rebellion, your disobedience is as the sin of witchcraft. I say your, mine as well. I'm included in that your. Witchcraft. And we would say, I don't do witchcraft. What are you talking about? <laughs> your disobedience is as witchcraft. And your pride, we hold on, is idolatry. It's an idol in our lives. We protect it at all costs. We hold it up. We keep it in front of us and say, hey, I have this image to uphold. And it's us and not his image to uphold. We must lay aside, we must put off, renounce, pride, wickedness, and moral filth. And put on meekness so that we can receive the innate, implanted word in our lives. So that it grows, which is able to save our souls. But be doers of that word and not just hearers only. It is important that we... uh, we leave here and remember that we we can't just take this lightly, you know. And so many times we, we do, and we can hear the word, and it's a good word. And like I said, we can amen it down, but we could do the same. We could do the same thing Sunday after Sunday and live foolishly Sunday after Sunday and not change anything or implement or apply it to our lives in our lives to see the power of his word work in our lives. And then we complain when the power isn't working in our lives because we haven't implemented the word in our lives. So we we must begin to build on the foundation, which is him, not anything else, not Not your own thinking, not your political party, not your news broadcast, not your work, not your job, not whatever opinions that you may filter in your mind throughout the week. That's not going to work. That's not going to cut it. 
Because the, the storm will come and that won't stand. The flood waters will come and that won't stand. But what you're going to have to do is stand on the word of God. And you will be tested. Don't think you won't be tested. And in the very area that you think you know it all, that's where he's going to test you. On the decision that you said, well, I got this, I know this, I'm going to do what I want to do. He's going to test you in that area. And we must be ready and prepared so we can do this. We can take this work individually in our lives, but even corporately as a church. We must be prepared for tests. The culture is going to test the church. Already has, has already been going on. Uh, this COVID season has tested the church. And I think we've been found lacking. And I've, I've heard so many uh, statistics where people have, after COVID, numbers have dwindled down in churches all over America because we didn't have the answer. We came up lacking. We got caught up in the politics of it and not the word of God and not standing on this. If you stand on this, no matter what comes, you're going to stand. If you stand on this, no matter what opinions change from year to year, it's not changing here. If you stand on this, you know, left can be right tomorrow out in the world. <laughs> and Right, left, and blue, green. <laughs> but if you stand on this, it's not going to change. And he's going to keep us. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.